Okay, hey, we, as Kenny said, are in a series called Christian Atheist. I believe in God, but I don't live like it. The last couple of weeks, we've uh, done, uh, I believe in God, but I don't believe that He loves me. Last week was, I believe in God, but I don't pray. And if you missed either one of those messages, you can go to the website, nctyler.org, click the listen button, and you can catch up there. This morning, we're going to go right for the jugular, and we're going with, I believe in God, but I don't believe he's fair. I believe in God, but I don't believe that he's fair. Um, And I'm going to try to do this without. (laughs) About 27 years ago, I met a guy named Kelly Clark, and um, we were both young knuckleheads. Both in our early 20s, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I didn't really like him at first, and he didn't really like me at first. The problem was he was very full of himself, and I was very full of myself, and ourselves clashed at times. But after a while, uh, Kelly became one of my very best friends, and um, he met and married uh, Thumbelina, Tracy. (laughs) And Tracy and Kelly became just invaluable friends to Lisa and I. And uh, that means so much when you're in ministry, to have somebody that, that you can really rely on, somebody that you can talk to. That, that's like gold in ministry because you just can't say everything to everybody. Um, Kelly was always this super hardworking guy, just, a, just had a servant's heart. He'd always worked behind the scenes. He did video But in his late 30s, the Lord called him out from behind the the camera and called him into ministry, and he and Tracy became youth pastors, and it was at the same time that Lisa and I were youth pastors here at New Covenant, and we used to get our groups together, and we'd have a good time, and Kelly and I would get together and pray for the the youth of East Texas. It was was just, just good, just good. There was a few bumps in the road, and uh, Kelly and Tracy... um, stepped down from that place in ministry, and they, they wound up here at New Covenant. And it, it didn't take long uh, before we invited them to come and help us with youth. A little while longer, uh, we turned the group over to them. That summer, they went to Costa Rica on a mission trip. And while they were there, the Lord called them to be missionaries to Costa Rica. They came back, and they made preparations to go, and by faith, they they went. They didn't go with with, uh, a lot of support, and they didn't really even go with a lot of direction. And the first several months that they were there was a struggle, the struggle wondering, why are we even here? God, why did you send us here and struggle financially? But after a few months, God began to, to connect them with the right people. Some doors begin to open for them, and they happened to be in the United States for a little while, and, and Kelly and I would get together, and, and there was just a difference about him. There was, there was just a boldness about him. There was a purpose about him. They went back to Costa Rica, and... December of 2017, he called me about a week before Christmas. 
And we just talked. Man, it was a good talk. And I remember sitting there on that phone and just listening to the enthusiasm that was in his voice. And I told him, Kelly, man, I've never been more excited for you in my life. I have never been more proud of you in my life. He knew why he was there. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. Man, he was going after it with everything. Christmas Day, 2017. I had laid down to take a nap that afternoon. My phone started ringing, and I ignored it because nobody should be calling me on Christmas Day, no matter what you need. So I, I didn't answer it. A few minutes later, Lisa came into the bedroom, and there were tears in her eyes. And she said, I need you to come to the living room. We need to, we need to talk to the family. So I followed her into the living room, and I sat down. Uh, my daughters and my son-in-laws were, were there. And Lisa with uh, a lot of tears in her eyes. She said, Kelly's dead. And I, what do you mean Kelly's dead? I just talked to him last week. She said they had gone to the beach on Christmas Day. They'd gone to the beach. And another friend that, that was with them, uh, many of you know him, Pastor Manuel from, from Costa Rica, had gotten caught in the undertow, and Kelly went to save him. And although he saved Manuel, he couldn't save himself. And I sat there on that sofa in just absolute disbelief. God, how can this be happening? How can this be happening? Lord, this is not fair. This is not fair. God, where were you in that moment? You may have never known Kelly. Your life would have been better if you had. You may have never known him, but I can guarantee you've known a situation in life where you've said, that's not fair. That's not fair. And life at times is not fair. It's not fair when, when children are abused by parents that should love them. It's not fair when marriages that started with, with so much love and so much excitement end in divorce. It's not fair that Christians in certain parts of the, the world are, are murdered for their faith. It's not fair that somebody as goofy as me got to marry as somebody as beautiful as that. <laughs> Life at times does not seem fair. And the Bible doesn't promise us that it's going to be. In fact, in John 33, I'm John 33, if you find that, let me know. In John 16, verse 33... Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. 
Jesus said, we're going to have trials. We're going to have sorrows. It's going to happen. Things are going to happen in life, and they're not going to be fair. It doesn't seem like it's going to be fair. But take heart, because I've already overcome the world. And even though I know this, I quote this scripture a lot. It does not mean that I don't struggle at times. It doesn't mean that I don't struggle for answers at times. And if it's okay with you, I just want to talk about a couple of things that I struggle with. Here's something that I struggle with. Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? I'm not the only one that's ever struggled with that. I'm not the only one that's ever asked that. In fact, in in John 9, verses 1 and 2, Jesus' disciples asked. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? As humans, we look for someone or something to blame. There's got to be some kind of reason in this. And notice that Jesus did not rebuke them for asking the question. Jesus made it okay for his disciples to ask questions. And I believe that we've got to make it okay for people to ask questions. We've got to make it okay for people to wrestle with faith or even wrestle with doubt. We've got to make it okay because if they're not wrestling with it amongst us, they're going to be wrestling with it by themselves. And that's how the enemy separates people because they feel like they can't come in and ask an honest question. But we want to be a place. At NCC, we want it to be a safe place to process through struggles, to process through doubt, to process through pain. This journey called faith, it can be a struggle at times. And we've got to love enough to allow questions. I know it's been going on you know, since the birth the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, this has been going on. But people get to a place of struggle and they walk away from their faith. You know, even Paul told Timothy, he said, hey, get over here and see me because everybody's deserted me. You know, Demas, he left me because he loved the world more than he, than he, than he loved me. People walk away, but it just seems like there has been this epidemic lately of of high-profile people walking away from their faith. Pastors, authors, worship leaders. In fact, somebody asked me just this last week about somebody who's local, somebody that had really been involved in the worship scene here locally, and they said, did you hear That this guy has walked away from his faith, totally renounced his faith. And I told him, we're missing something. We're missing something. 
And what I believe that it is, is that we're missing a place where we can wrestle and where we can struggle and the struggle is okay. And there are people around us that say, the struggle's okay. We don't want you to struggle. We don't want you to, to be in a tough place. But you know what? We're going to be there with you. We're going to walk with you as you fight through this thing, as you struggle through this thing. We've got to make it okay to question. We've got to make this a safe place, even if questions are coming out of hurt and confusion. And this is just a simple way, just a simple way that, that we want to make it okay to ask questions. We've, we've set up a, a, a process that you can ask a question. You can text NCC questions to 97,000. And that question is going to come to a staff member. And that staff member will get back with you. And it may be a simple answer. It may be something big for you, but it may be just be a simple answer that we can, we can answer in an email or a text. But it may be something where we say, hey, why don't you come in and meet with us? Why don't you come in and let's, let's, let's wrestle with this together? Because that's the type of church that we want to be. Going on in John chapter 9, Jesus answering the question of his disciples. They said, you know, whose fault was this? In verse 3, Jesus said it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now, Jesus was not saying God made him blind just so he could make him well. That's not what God was saying. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was really just going beyond the obvious and looking for an opportunity. And that's the way that, that we need to be. We need to look past the obvious and begin to see opportunity. Many of you probably saw this this week. And it was such a God moment that, that it made a lot of people mad. Because you know what? God, God moments make people mad. On all sides of things, it makes people mad. But there was, there was a, 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 a trial that ended in Dallas just this week. It was the trial of a police officer getting off of her shift and going home. And as she tells the story, she accidentally walked into the apartment of somebody else. Thinking it was her apartment, she walked in, saw somebody sitting in what she thought was her apartment drew her weapon and killed the man. Now, that was murder. And she was convicted of murder. But during the sentencing phase, there was an act of grace by the brother of this man. If anybody had, had a reason to say, this is not fair, if anybody had a reason to say, this should have never happened. If anybody had a reason to point fingers and say, you deserve everything that you get, it would have been this brother. And I know there's been a whole bunch of stuff blow up about this, all kinds of racial stuff. I'm not even talking about the racial stuff, okay? I'm just talking about two human beings, Two human beings 
where one has stolen the life of, of, of a brother and another who could have been looking to place blame, but instead, he said, I forgive you. Told her she needed Jesus. And went beyond that, asked the judge if he could give her a hug. Now, this has made a lot of, a lot of people mad on all sides of the spectrum. I'm telling you, Jesus' moments make the devil mad. This man could have placed blame deservedly. But he went past the obvious and looked for an opportunity. It may, have, it may not have even been an opportunity for her. It may have been what he needed to begin to heal up. But he gave grace in a place that many of us would have struggled. When life isn't fair, we can look to place blame and we can look for a reason why. Or we can look for an opportunity to start the healing process. All right. Here's the second thing that I struggle with at times. Finding purpose in the pain. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I don't like this scripture. It's not that I don't like the scripture. I don't like the fact that the scripture is overused. I don't like the fact that the scripture is used as a blanket to throw over anything and everything. No matter what's going on, somebody's having their guts ripped out and, and, and somebody's going to say, well, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. I don't like those, those, those Jesus band-aids. You understand what I'm saying? I like Jesus. But I don't like just putting a Band-Aid on, on, a, on a severed arm. So when the Lord dropped this in my heart to use this scripture, I was like, mm, Lord, I don't know about that. <laughs> you ever had the Lord rebuke you? <laughs> and this is exactly what the Lord said. The Lord said, your problem is, you do not believe the first three words of that verse. Let me read the first three words to you again. And we know. And we know. The Lord said, you're not convinced that I can take every piece of garbage and trash, every situation, every ugliness in this world, and turn it around for good. He said, you're not convinced of it. He said, that's why you don't want to preach it. I said, Lord, you're right. You are right. You are right. God, you can take anything and everything. He can make beauty from ashes. See, we don't know sometimes from the Scripture. We don't know. I don't know. You may not know. When we're wrapped up in the emotional pain caused by the unfair nature of this world, God didn't say it wouldn't hurt. But he said he could use it for good if we let him. When there's pain there, 
That's telling us there's a problem. And I know people don't like this, but it really is a choice. Am I going to be bitter or am I going to be healed? Now, here's the thing that, that, that we don't, we're not good at sometimes is giving people the time to heal. There is no time frame. You cannot look at somebody and go, well, bless God, it's been a year and a half. What's wrong with them? <laughs> their time frame to heal is their time frame to heal, and God's not in a hurry. God's not impatient. Once again, if we're going to make it safe for people to wrestle with things, we've got to allow them to wrestle in their own time. And we love them and support them as we go along. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, Paul writes, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God, our merciful Father, and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When we are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. That's another scripture I don't get excited about. That my troubles, my pain is for your good. But if I am willing to allow the Lord, because we know that there's going to be trouble, we know there's going to be sorrow. Jesus told us there was going to be. But this is the overcoming the world part of it. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Is saying, I know I'm going through something. I know I'm going to go through something. Lord, use it. Lord, take it to the next level. See, Paul realized that God doesn't cause our pain. In fact, he will comfort us in our pain. And above that, he will use the pain to comfort others. You see, God did not cause the illness that almost took my life. God was not getting any pleasure from all of the suffering, the months of suffering that I went through, or the stress that was on my family, or the financial burden that came with it. God wouldn't get any pleasure out of that. But could he take that situation and use it for good, use it for my good, use it for my family's good, and use it for kingdom good? Yeah, even when I'm laying in the bed, laying on my back, and I'm just wanting to whine to God, he begins showing me what it really means to be a son in the kingdom of God. He began to change my heart. He began to work on my character. He began to change the way that, that I even thought and processed about things. He began to show me the necessity of, of the five ministry callings flowing together. Having God speak to me in those times, that was good for me. My family, 
seeing God do miraculous things in my life. Seeing him answer prayer. That was good for them. And those weeks that I was in the hospital, and I got to, to witness to, to so many doctors, to so many nurses, to so many techs, to, to that, that kid that would come in at 5.30 in the morning to weigh me every day. I'm like, you're going to come in here this early, we're going to talk about Jesus. While I was in the hospital, I got to pray with one of the nurses to renew his relationship with Jesus. There was, there was, a, there was another, uh, she was an x-ray tech. At the moment I saw her, even before I thought of it, it just came out of my mouth. I just looked at her and I went, you're a good mom. And she burst into tears because <laughs> she didn't see herself as a good mom. She didn't see herself as, as, as somebody that her daughter could look up to. And Lisa and I got to, to spend about 40 minutes just ministering to her. You see, that's good for the kingdom. But if I had just laid in the bed with a woe is me attitude, with a this is not fair attitude, God could have never used it. So God used my pain for something for good. Didn't make the illness good. But when I was weighed down with troubles, as the scripture says, it was for their comfort and for their salvation. Now here's the last. And this is not a struggle, and I, I, I'm being 100% honest. 100% honest. This is something I do not struggle with. I do not struggle with thinking that God is not fair. I struggle for answers at times. I struggle for some, someone to blame. I struggle to find the purpose in pain. But I do not struggle with God not being fair. And this is not trying to put a preacher churchy uh, bow on this. But the fact is, if God was fair, we'd all be headed for hell. Psalms 103, verses 10 through 14 says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For His unfailing love towards those who fear Him is as great as the heights of the heaven above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. If God were fair, we would have to pay for our own sins. But Jesus did it. If God was fair, we would be responsible instead of forgiven. I'm going to be honest, I'm glad God's not fair. You know, I struggled with uh, putting this message together. Um, I was telling some people before the service, I felt like God tricked me into it. He's good at that. Because when, when we first started talking about doing this, this series... 
and we first started talking about the subjects that we wanted to do. And I put my name right next to this one without even a clue of where we were going to go with it. And then about three weeks ago, the Lord said, we're going to talk about Kelly. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do this one anymore. I usually have my messages done by the beginning of the week because I like to live with them, as I say. I like to read over it and, and think about it. I didn't put this one together until the last moment. And then I didn't look at it again until this morning. Why? Because there were some unresolved hurts in my heart over what happened with Kelly. I knew there was a great possibility that his wife and his kids would be sitting in here while I was talking about this. I warned them. I tried to get them to leave town. As I was putting this together, and I'm wrestling with God over it, the Lord showed me just a quick glimpse. He showed me the moment that Kelly was in the water, and Kelly knew if he went any further, he might not make it. But he also knew if he didn't go further, Manuel was not going to make it. The Lord showed me the moment that Kelly entered heaven to applause and cheers, and the Lord looking at him going, well done, and saying, greater love has no man. Then he lays down his life for his friend. And that was a nice thought. I said, thank you, Lord. Didn't help me feel any better. Truth is, life isn't fair. I still have questions. I still struggle with the pain of this world. But you'll never convince me that God's not good. I've seen him do too many things in my life. I've seen him do too many things in other people's lives. I've seen creative miracles happen. I've seen the goodness of God. I've seen people get saved that you would have never thought would ever give their life to Jesus. You can't tell me God's not good. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to cause me to focus, even though this was not fair, to focus on this and fixate on this. And forget all the great things that God has done. I'm just not going to allow it to happen. Some people, in fact, one person told me I was foolish. One person told me they no longer believed that God was good all the time because they struggled with this. And I understood that. I totally understood that. I don't believe I'm foolish, I don't believe I'm naive. And I believe if it came down to it, I could say just as Job said, because he didn't think that his situation was fair either. But he said, even if God were to kill me, he is still my hope. What do I want you to know this morning? Life isn't fair at times. And if you struggle with questions, emotions, who to blame... 
And what's the purpose in all of this? You are not alone. And that you're not wrong and you're not broken for having those emotions, for having those thoughts, for having those questions. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel that there's hope. There is hope. What do I want you to do? Let's stop bottling up. Let's stop bottling up the emotions. Let's stop bottling up the questions. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with each other. Let's be honest with God. David in the Psalms, he says, Lord, I pour out my complaint to you. That was written today. It'd be, Lord, I'm ticked off and we need to talk. But let's stop bottling up and let's let go the best that we can at this very moment. You may have to let go again tomorrow. There may be a a deeper place of letting go next week. But right now, we can choose to allow healing to begin in us and through us. And this is the toughest part of all. I want you to never forget what your pain feels like so you can comfort somebody else.